You know, Alan, when I think extremely hot, I think of Xerox antifreeze coolant because it prevents boilovers and scorching heat up to 276 degrees. Well, Rusty, when I think of Xerox, I think of extreme cold because it protects my engine even when the temperature drops to 84 below. Now, when I think extremely hot, I think of Conchita. Oh, brother. Xerox antifreeze coolant because extreme conditions demand extreme protection. And now a special presentation from Dinner with Racers. And welcome to Dinner with Racers, uh, part three of our Alan Kowicki special. Now, if you've been following up until this point, Alan Kowicki is a hero of both Ryan and myself, uh, who, quite frankly, there really isn't a whole lot of information about. And so as we hit the uh, 25th anniversary of April 1st, 1993, uh, we wanted to put out a special of our own, a very different tone than what you're used to with Dinner with Racers. Uh, and rather than having one guest talk about themselves for an episode or two, we instead travel 4,000 miles to have lunch and dinner with 12 different people who knew Alan best. So at this point, you've heard about Alan Kowicki, the Wisconsin racer, and you've also heard about Alan making the transition from being a northerner with a college education, coming down to Charlotte with no money and no plan, and all the things that led up to that trip taking place, and then ultimately leading into becoming the NASCAR Winston Cup champion. So in this episode, we had a lot of stories that we heard that might not have been told before and might not necessarily have a real place in the legacy of Alan Kowicki, but we just thought they were really interesting and unique and what defined Alan as a person, as a guy away from the shop, away from the track, and all the things that came along that we didn't even know about him at all. So with that in mind, uh, this again, this, these are not stories that have anything to do with a biography of Alan, just the cool stories. So we're actually going to start out uh, with Alan's best friend. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Doug Mayer was Alan's best friend starting in their teenage years. They actually met the local karting scene. Uh, and then Doug went on to build a very successful karting parts business, but without first working side by side with Alan at a hydraulic plant just as uh, teenagers. And the uh, cool part about Doug was that Doug is just a guy. He's a former racer, but he wasn't part of Alan's racing plans once things got serious. He was just the best friend that Alan would call when he was home, the guy he'd invite out to the track just to kind of hang out and have fun. And the cool thing about Doug is that you're going to hear stories that, that Ryan and I had never heard before or knew anything about the guy that we always thought was very, very serious. We even got a couple of photos of a uh, really unique surprise gift that Doug gave Alan once. And uh, we'll be tweeting those out, of course, as, uh, as the show becomes more and more known. But we were also able to eat at Katarina's in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is a really cool Italian place. And that's a restaurant that Alan and Doug used to frequent regularly. So it's kind of neat to be able to eat in the same restaurant that they did back when they were out disco dancing and chasing women and all sorts of trouble that we learned that Alan actually did like to get into. So without further ado, Mr. Doug Mayer. So this is his, this is so this was your place. This is one of the, the favorites, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Nice Italian place. He liked good food. Yeah. That's one of the things he would almost always do for me. We'd go somewhere, he'd buy dinner. He'd buy, it was his treat. Right. Because you know, he often stayed uh, with me when he would come back to Wisconsin. So nice. Okay. He usually did, almost always, yeah. Is that like a Kowicki thing? Because yeah. Jerry would apparently always pick up the tab for uh, Captain Bob when those guys would go out. Jerry did the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. yeah. <clears throat> so that was like the Kowicki trait, was like no one was paying. Right, right. Interesting. Right. Yep. Okay. How Did you ever try and sneak it in? Did you ever, you know? Oh, I definitely did. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> You were sort of telling us offline. I mean, the, the obviously wintertime in the karting business is a little bit slower. Right. Um, so, so now you're also working at a hydraulic plant. Right. 
All right, so, so what was that? With Alan, right? With Alan, yeah. yeah. A place yeah. called Pagel Hydraulics, who okay. the owners had his sons in karting. That's how I knew him. Ah, okay. And, um, so this whole thing is just this like, sort of large karting family that you yeah, kind of see in any it's, region. It's karting and everything else, you yeah. know. Um, so I started working there in the wintertime. Alan was working there uh, part-time, going to college. Yeah. Um, and uh, we just started hanging out, you know. It started yeah. pretty soon. We'd go to the nightclubs. Yeah. The discos back then. Yeah. Yep. In yeah. your late See, teens, early 20s? Yep. And yep. you're making that huge hydraulic money. Seeing who could, uh, you know, meet the nicest girl, the good-looking girl. Right. You know, see who had the best clothes. Are we, are we talking bell-bottoms? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, back yeah, in the day, yeah, you yeah, bet. Yeah, yeah. In the disco days, you bet. Yeah. <laughs> How far were the sideburns? Uh, sometimes long sideburns. You know, buttons unbuttoned a little bit here. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got to right. show it off. Yeah, yeah. got to show it. off the you goods. Show it. Yeah. yeah. And, so, uh, you know, again, we were, I don't know why we just became buddies. We, yeah. we hit it off. We were, we were good friends. And there were times over the years that we unknowingly wound up dating the same girl. You know, maybe wow. one of us dated her three months later. Okay. Alan would meet somebody and go, hey, this is so-and-so. Oh, wait a minute. I used like, to date her. Oh, like, hey. We, yeah. We've met. Yeah. We've met. We've <laughs> met. Yeah. We've met. Yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of good stuff. You know, we wound up, there was a place called uh, Bally's Health Club, Bally's yep. Fitness. Okay. Right. That's all right. Uh, um, our dad... My dad gave myself my brother's memberships okay. early okay. on for our, our birthdays. Uh, oh. Around 1980. Is that think. like a subtle hint? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just a, it was just a, something he gave us, and we all joined up. And um, so, then eventually, Alan joined, and then him and I used to play racquetball. Okay. And anybody that knows him, uh, lightly I say he wasn't the most graceful person. You know, <laughs> right? So, learning oh, to play, okay. Learning to play racquetball was a challenge for him. Right? Oh, interesting. Right. It was a blast, though. It was good. And the reputation we know, which is which is why we want to sit down with you, is that he's not known for his tolerance of not doing well. Yeah, the intensity was more on the racing side. Okay. Yeah, and it was more at the track. So it know? wasn't all things all the time. No, okay. no, absolutely. He was. I've got some pictures here. I'll sure. show you guys. It, this is the side of people that the people never saw. Like right. uh, here's him. He came. <laughs> he came to see. Our, and he came to see me at our shop. And he see the hat oh that he goodness. puts on. He's yeah. got the lid. And he's just yeah. screwing around. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's holding a picture of a very scantily clad. Yeah, uh, that was a calendar. Woman you know, calendar. Right. Yeah, probably a swimsuit, yeah, right. uh, swimsuit yeah. calendar. Okay. You know? yeah. And he's got to put this hat on. You know, he's got the <laughs> lid flipped up That's backwards. That's a great photo. Just freaking off. You know? And like I said, we wound up being better friends after we worked at the same company. Yeah, sure. And starting to go out and starting to chase girls. So it was really the hydraulic yeah. deal that, that kind of brought you guys together. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, then, and then, you know, so weekends, especially in the wintertime, we'd go out, you know, different, different nightclubs and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, different girlfriends. Friday nights were usually... Um, <laughs> Reserved for going to the okay. nightclub, and Saturday nights were date night. So I've that's, seen, that's I've seen good fellas. Had it laid out. Yeah. Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm right. following this. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very good. Okay, yeah. so you're saying he did just fine. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right, between the two of you, who was the better, uh, who was the better closer? <laughs> it depended on the style. We each had, we had a little bit <laughs> oh. independent of our own style. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Right. Did his style um, change over say, the years? Uh, a little bit. I mean, absolutely. You're yeah. a good-looking guy now. Yeah. So I imagine yeah, you, were yeah, you, guys were, you guys are probably pretty deadly. We did okay. Yeah, yeah. We did okay. you were doing just fine. <laughs> so you're like, yeah, and we race and we stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. We have a yeah. job. That was you that. got your own national business. Like, <laughs> yeah. you're doing fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's things I can't tell you or the world. Yes, there you know? are. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe once this thing is off our heads, we'll talk right. about that. <laughs> right, sure. Um, but uh, yeah, just, just fun stuff, you know, and again, just a lot. Back then, there were nightclubs everywhere, you know, yeah. just and there were discos. That's yeah. just the way it was yeah. in the seventies and in the early eighties. Right. You know, people would go out and they'd go dancing. Yeah, you know, there weren't just bars. You know, right. I and mean, there were certain guys that didn't go to the 
discos, but that was a lot of fun. That's yeah, why sure. we went there. Sure, yeah, you know? right. sure. That's that's what we did. You know, so. so what what was like what was the name of the one that was the spot? Uh, the Tropicana. The yeah. Tropicana. Yeah. Tropicana. All right. right in that's, Hills Corners. That's yeah. awesome. And that was Hills, Hills Corner, Tropic- Wisconsin. Right in Hills Corners. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's and awesome. that was a cool cool place. Yeah. All right. What was his What was his weakness? So like. Um, I'm known for mine, but like some guys, their weakness is crazy, or their weakness is brunettes, or their weakness is probably blondes. blondes. I would say blondes. Yeah, okay. that's consistent. That was his poison. Well, yeah. Blondes. Okay. He liked. It's consistent. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Um, he liked girls with big lips for some reason. Oh, um, oh that was his okay. Thing. Nice lips. You sure. gotta have good lips. Sure. Yeah. And I gotta tell you, I mean, the world has changed, but back then the vast majority of people were in shape. You guys are in shape, but, you know, back you, then. You look at him. <laughs> he did point at me. <laughs> but I pointed right at Ryan, which I understand, and I'll back that up. But, you know, okay. so, sure. so yeah. just blonde, fit. Yeah, That's nice, kinda, nicely yeah. <clears throat> healthy, you know, yeah. to say okay. Okay. the least, right. you know, sure. and fun, you know, yeah. people that were fun. And um, when we were up here for a Tom, – Tom Roberts was here for an event at Kawiki Park, mm-hmm. and he had – there was just a conversation about Alan. A lot of people didn't know it, and they said, boy, do you think he'd ever get married? And everybody said, no, he'd never, ever get married. And I said, wait, 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 you guys hang on a second. He he actually, we went out one night, and um, I think, I don't know how it went, or if we went out, he went out with a girl, and he called me later on. Um, bit of a sad story, but he actually asked somebody to marry him. Mm-hmm. Um, this is after after he had actually gone down to Charlotte, but he came back and he always spent time with me. He took this girl out on a date. They went out to dinner yeah. and he asked her to, to marry him and she turned him down. Ooh, so oh. he, he was really, I mean, he thought for sure it was going to happen, you know. Wow. And uh, he was sad. He I was, was going to say, he was if you're, especially if you're a guy who's and, not and having hard times to get that kind of rejection. Busted sure. his butt all his life, you know. Yeah, he goes, right. And he's, I can clearly remember to me, he, I remember he says, what's it all for? You know, he was just dejected. Really? Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, hmm. Well, it's also probably for a guy like him where he, you know, you work hard on that car to, to find that extra 10 through. You, if you work <clears> hard <throat> enough, you're going to find it. But w- when it comes to trying to date, I mean, that's a person with their own opinions. It doesn't matter what right. you do. You can't change what they think. And right. so it's probably right. got to be so different that he can't alter this uh, this outcome. Yeah, they like the person that they like. And yeah, you don't and always that's know it. why. Sure. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Working wow. too hard can hurt you. Wow. So, interesting. so that was just the way, you know, that was that moment. Again, that was a while after he had already moved down south okay uh-huh. and uh yeah. if you want her name or not but uh, yes i do but it's up to you <laughs> what, is she she what, jody, 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 what she do now jody uh, her name was or jody winkelmeyer okay okay and if you guys heartbreaker have ever heard of sprecker beer yeah okay. beer, yeah she married randy sprecker oh so eventually oh well she's, huh. she's, she's, she's probably doing fine she's, she's done fine she's doing just fine she's done yeah. just fine okay. well, well, i, I mean, don't think she even knew him she, back then because it wasn't around but uh, uh yeah. and then uh alan famously liked root beer floats yeah, that's what we learned. <laughs> the, one, the one that got away. Yeah. Exactly. You, think you bring him a Sprecher root beer, but he's like, no, 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 no. no. Yeah. I don't think, uh, I don't know if he was in the picture back then. Right. Sprecher wasn't, right. but it was yeah. sometime later. A little, later. Li- little yeah. irony there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he gave up root beer, wouldn't touch it after that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's off. Yeah. All right, so discos, we know the blonde his, was. His favorite, favorite drink was seven and seven. That was his thing. It no matter. What's yeah. seven yeah. and seven, by the way? I don't know. Uh, Seagram seven and seven, seven up. up. Oh, okay. yeah. Sensible. Probably liked his number seven, you know. Yeah, yeah, number yeah, seven. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. It all goes back. Right. Seven and seven. seven. He's like had seven. to train to like the drink. He's like, this is awful, but I have to do this. <laughs> no, yeah. that's that's what he usually drank. Right. Yeah. yeah. Was he? Would he drink if he got down, or would he drink to celebrate, or just drink to be social? Yeah. If we went out to dinner, he'd have a drink. Yeah. You know. I mean, never. I mean, if we went out, went out 
dancing, you yeah. know, chasing girls. Sure, well, yeah. We'd, we'd have a few. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, Par for the course. Now, we heard that his dad, Jerry, when it came to his Manhattans, which was his drink, right. um, he had to make it because he was specific. Like, it was his, con- you know, his concoction of how to do it. When it came to drinking, was, was Alan a product of his father in that sense? Like, if he wanted a seven and seven, was it his way? Not too much. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't remember that part of it. Right. No, I don't think so. I think, you know, people usually brought a seven and seven pretty sure. straightforward. Okay. Yeah. He seems like, I think what we've learned, especially in this short conversation we've already had, is that the the uh, intensity stems from uh, racing. Yeah. Like that was the thing yeah, that he the was The racing like, part was the intense yeah. part. Absolutely. And, and like things like that. I mean, we were like, competitive in a fun way, like I said, when we used to play racquetball. Right. You know, sure. That absolutely, you know, or. Um, it seemed like you didn't compete over girls necessarily. Like there might be an overlap, but there wasn't necessarily. Oh, we competed. Like, yeah. Oh, you did. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In the sense that, like, that was the girl you were interested in, or it's just that Alan couldn't because you wanted to. Uh, both. You know, okay. if we were out somewhere and there was somebody we were both finding interesting, mm-hmm. yeah. But we didn't always find the same girls. That, sure. Okay. To what's our your liking? What's yeah. your style? <laughs> the same thing that it used to be. You know, okay. Slender, um, natural blonde. No, I'm no. Just <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they make those anymore, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, because the the story on Alan generally is that uh, you hear the the phrase it's hard to get to know, and what we've heard from several people that know him is that if you were clearly not kind of going in the direction he was in terms of motorsport stuff, right, and taking it as serious as he was, they just he and Jerry just didn't need you, and so they wouldn't. I think on a racing side, absolutely. Yeah, again, a sidebar, I. Because Alan is always so formal, I thought, and I've never been like that. I would always intentionally call him Al. Mm-hmm. My dad called him Al. My brothers, hey, Al. Oh, you know, so yeah. no one else in the whole world ever called him Al. Sure. <laughs> and that was just to sort of turn the knife. Yeah. A yeah. little bit. <laughs> to do with and one time I, I, had, I had said something to his dad. I said something about Al. And he goes, who? And so <laughs> yeah. He didn't even know who I was talking about. Right. He goes, Alan, Alan, you know, so. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's actually really good to know because the common theme is that he's like this, you know, a little bit cold, standoffish guy that was like just going down that yeah, path. Yeah, the first we've heard of that. But no, that's not your home life and what you grew up with. And your no, friends. So you know the, the motorsport thing is business. Yeah, and racing right. is business. Right. And a lot of people, even today, a lot of people don't realize when there's a driver at the racetrack, they're at their job. Yeah, they're right. working. Right. You know, so they don't. They can sign an autograph. They can say hi or something quick, but they don't have time to get off track. You know, right. out of focus. They right. can't sit there and. And some people have the ability to have a hard time just turning it off, so to speak, to be in fan mode and turn it back on. And his crew, um, I don't know if you talked to anybody like Tony Gibson or any of the guys. We're going to meet with Paul Anders. Paul, um, you know, um, uh, Peter Jellin. They liked it when I would only go to four races a year usually. I'd go to um, Daytona. I'd go to uh, Michigan, uh, Phoenix, and Atlanta. Yeah. But his crew liked it when I came along because – Alan would tone down a notch. Sure. He wouldn't. Uh, uh, you were the, okay. He yeah. wouldn't be hard like ass yeah, in, front of his, in front yeah. of me. Right. Okay. To his crew. Right. Okay. So they liked having me there. You know, they would, yeah. he would just notch it down. He was stern. He was intense. But he wasn't going to kill anybody when I was there either. Right. You know? Nice. He okay. just wouldn't do that. You were just that calming influence. Yeah. 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 And that was, that was kind of cool. Yeah. There were a few times we'd go to different racetracks at some of these and he'd say, hey, Doug, go up and see where that panhard bar is on Rusty Wallace's car. You know, the track bar, they call it. <laughs> Who is his yeah. friend? Yeah, and they don't, they don't know me. For right, 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 you know, right. I'm just, I'm just around, a fan with a camera. I can right. check it out. Yeah, right. So I could do that. You know, absolutely. I'd look at things for him from time to time yeah. Yeah. just see what was going on. Yeah. Whether I understood it or not, you right, know, right, I could right, come right, back right, and right. report what was going on. Yeah. yeah. He was <laughs> running in the IROC series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, once upon a time. I have no idea what year it was, and I was down at Daytona with him. Okay. 
and he says, why don't you go up and take a little piece of clear tape and see if you can put it on the, on the grill. You know, just scrunch it up, put it on the grill. Well, again, we're both, always were pretty innovative people and competitive. So I take a, the tape gun, a piece of clear tape, and I put a piece of clear tape all the way down the side of my leg. Yeah. I had my jeans on, you know, yeah. clear tape all the way down my leg. And I walk up to the front of his car, and I'm acting like some yo-yo just looking around. <laughs> I bend over, and I pull this tape off my leg, and I put it all the way across the grill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he finally gets up there. He goes, no, not that. You can't do that. Don't kill me. You know? <laughs> so he, he made me scrunch it up a little bit, look more uh, nonchalant. Make it look a little know. more like it just accidental. blew off the track. I don't, I don't know, know this, grill. I don't yeah, know this yeah. guy. I see at the airport. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the car eventually failed. Unfortunately, it blew an engine or something. Right. But, uh, Weird. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. With Maybe. tape all the way across the grill. <laughs> no, it wasn't yeah. that. Something, something broke. Something broke. <laughs> They're like, this never happens. Okay, I mean, I, I, there aren't too many people in the whole world until today that even know about that. You know, yeah. So. Yeah. Was he... Uh, like I know exactly what this guy eats all the time. Yeah. Like he he was delayed yesterday getting in, and so I just went and picked up food because I knew it was gonna have time to eat, and I knew exactly what to order because we hang out too much. Yeah. Like, what would Alan occasionally order on a regular basis? Like, was he like one of those guys that's like I have to have steak and potatoes? Or he liked the steak, yeah. but when he was racing, he got in this thing where you do the carbohydrate loading, which they don't do as much anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. So he would almost always have spaghetti the yeah. night before the race. Oh yeah. no, kidding! And okay. I don't know if you ever heard that, but he would. No. Uh, he always wanted so to have the, up. the three S's okay. the night before the race. So if he was, you know, had met a girl, and he would say, "Hey, you got to have the three S's before the race." <laughs> okay. Sleep, spaghetti, and he would, and they would go sleep again. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. <laughs> it depended on what they said. Was okay. <laughs> depend on part of his outcome that night. Okay. Know, so. The three S's. Well, I, still, sleep, I, I figured. Spaghetti. And then oh, sleep is one of them. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Sleep, yeah. sleep, spaghetti. spaghetti, and then there's a third S. Well, you yeah. probably go spaghetti. Second S. Second S. Sleep. Sleep. And yeah, usually on one falls said. right after the other. Yeah, exactly. And if she didn't yeah. say the right hand, we get yeah. seven up. Right. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Seven <laughs> up. Seven up. That's exactly it. Get in sleep. So he, he would go back to, he moves to Charlotte, would come back occasionally, I'm sure, for just like holidays and, as well as, you know, business and things like that. Right. Um, when he came home before the cup championship, was it like the prodigal son returns or was it like he's still kind of just a guy that's trying to do a thing? You know, sometimes he would stay at my house. Yeah. Um, you know, he'd always come and see us at our store. We did the carding business. Yeah. Come and hang out there for a while. Uh, we'd make some plans, mm -hmm. you know, what yeah. we're going to do for the weekend. And yeah. sometimes he'd be here for an appearance. Yeah. Okay. I never knew. Okay. Um, just different things. Just different things. Was he recognized out here? Before oh, the yeah. cup championship? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair, fairly well. Yeah. You know, in the ASA days. Right. Because he did, he did ASA for a few years. Yeah. And he was pretty good at that. Because I guess I just don't know, like, what the racing, especially, like, the NAS or stock car scene around here like if we come to a restaurant like this yeah. is somebody going to recognize him or maybe a bar yeah um, or a bar a bar probably here okay. probably not yeah okay i know him and i came here one time we were in those booths over there and nice. uh i have some cousins that are women you know they were next to us or she was on a date or something sure. yeah she didn't know who he was no clue. So. okay okay <laughs> <laughs> right right so, yeah right so yeah so so he, he goes down to charlotte obviously this is before texting facebook all the things that you can keep up with people now and you guys are seems like pretty close you know friends right. um how often would you hear from him during the middle of the season you know is he good about keeping up with you or anybody or is it like you get so consumed especially out of sight well, out of mind and back then without the actually channels, no you know? just the opposite i really? think ever since we met uh -huh. um i think we talked every week wow that's all wow. Week. yeah don't get it and he went that was when down you, south when, you would call somebody across the state, and that cost you more money. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was a different era. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. So when he went down south, 
one of us would call the other guy every week. If, if I didn't call no him, kidding. he'd call me. Absolutely. Wow. That's awesome. Yep. To, and just to just rare, talk life. Rare, yeah. Yeah. Not racing. Yeah. Yeah. Not racing. I have never, ever heard about anyone pulling or being pulled uh, when it comes to pranks with Alan. I've never heard anybody pulling a prank on him or him doing anything. What was is prankery ever a thing within his his sort of landscape? Only a little, going a little. For, yeah, going for photos not here. too much. We, oh. we 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 fooled around a little bit. Okay. Um, after he won, I think the NASCAR Rookie of the Year. Okay. They had an Alan Kowicki Day over at Greenfield High School. That was like '86. Right. Yeah, and he had yeah. no idea that I was doing this, but I, uh, <laughs> I, invite, I invited someone to come put on a performance for him. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> So, that's me standing there, and that's him. And, yeah. Look at his face. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, he's looking one direction. And you know what he says to me? He said, why did you have to have her come here? Why don't you have her come to your house? <laughs> Look at this. He's, like, looking right at it. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's wasting no Look. time. Oh, my God. You know, fortunately, uh. fortunately, she stopped there. She went down to her underwear, and that was it. Oh, so this is, like, a back room? This, no, this is in front oh, of like an autograph a, session, yeah, right? Yeah, he was up on stage, and there and this girl shows all up. All these people. Oh my God! What? Yeah. He just all of a sudden walks oh. up there and puts the music on. And yeah, yeah. So, so let, let, let's at a high school. Let's set this photo up. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I think it was at the high. It might have been a. I don't know if that was at this high school or like a nightclub or somewhere. Bar right. after. <laughs> so so, let, so let, let me just set this. But scene. it was still so a big audience there. It's yeah, 1986. It's Alan Kowicki Day. He's he's the big hometown hero. Right. Prodigal son returns. Yeah. Thousands of people are lined up to get his autograph. And then An he, asshole friend Doug shows up. <laughs> <laughs> with, yeah, that's the Alan Cookie I knew. You see that right. expression there. Oh, yeah, no, right. I, I know exactly that's, where his eyes are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but my point <laughs> is, like, there are thousands of people watching this happen. Now, here's the guy who's moved to Charlotte to establish himself as, like, a working professional driver. He's not these clown around guys that he's, he's spending the, the time in the garage with. Yeah. How does he take to that? Because you're going out of your way to screw that reputation. Up. Yeah, right, right. He, he had a blast. He, had a <laughs> he great, loved great. it. Okay. He right. loved it. Was, He's like, why don't more people do this? Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. He, had, he had so much fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, um, after he had gotten into NASCAR, when Rusty Wallace was driving, Rusty was sponsored by Miller. Yeah. yeah. And Miller used to have a big thing called the Miller Party down in Daytona on the beach. Okay. And I used to go there with Alan all the time, and it was a great time. You had people a job, were dancing yeah. and, yeah. you know, doing all these crazy different, I forgot what is the... The, well, Daytona in the, the 80s. Oof. The electric slide or whatever it was, you know. And oh, remember, yeah. wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just dated yourself. Yeah, right. Sure did. Yes, I did. <laughs> right. right. Exactly what I thought. Well, I remember him and I were just a few months apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Man. Yeah. So racing used to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we'd go to these places and we'd meet these girls and he'd introduce ourselves and he'd go, yeah, you can you could just call me cool. Cool wiki. <laughs> Oh, oh, no. He's like, hey. <laughs> Pops his collar. It's, it's Alan Kowicki. Like, cool wiki. Cool wiki. That was his game. Slow that it down was his line. Bit. You got to slow it down a little. Cool yeah. wiki. Did yeah. it work? It, well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold in the winters up here, man. Like, you got to do what you got to do. That's right. right. You have to. Yeah. Cool um, wiki. Man. <clears throat> so you were... In Phoenix in, I want to say, 88. I was say 88. When right. he won his first yep. cup race. I was obviously. the guy. Back then, they had the tire war. They had Goodyear's and Hoosier's. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. right. So he assigned me to be the, the tire vulture. So whenever somebody would crash out of a race, I would oh, have to go the there buy their tires or negotiate to right, get their, right. their tires. And we've heard rumors that he'd, like, see somebody blow up and be like, hey, go check on the 26. they got some tires we like, can get. Exactly. Race. Yeah. yeah. Well, when yeah. he's racing, that was me, you know, that particular race anyway. Yeah. You know? Oh, I would, I would have to go watch for crashes, watch for people falling out, and try yeah. to buy their. T- and I have to go walk up to Junior Johnson, like, I'm sorry, but uh, I, I yeah. can I have those? Yeah. 
Polish victory lap. Yeah. We all know about it. I've heard the logic that he just wanted to put some sort of signature on it so that people yeah. remembered it. Right. Was that planned? Yes. We talked about yeah. that long before that. Really? Like, yeah. What okay. am I going to do? What's going to be cool? What do you think? Yeah. What do you, yeah. So this was like a two-year thing yeah, in the him, making. Him and I were talking yeah. about that. What do you think if I go backwards? Yeah. He told me about that long before anybody knew about that. Really? Uh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. cool. So it happened, yeah. and it played out exactly like he thought. And it was kind of cool at that race. Um, me, uh, my oldest brother Greg was there. Yeah. My next oldest brother Tom was there. Tom's son Tommy and me. All, we were all there. The whole gang was there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Big big celebration that night? Uh, pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of people. Obviously, everybody becomes his friend then. You know, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know how that is. Yeah. Yeah. So we just heard from Doug Mayer who is Alan's, you know, go-kart buddy all the way up until uh, the NASCAR stuff. And, and they were always friends. They kept really close together. And as a best friend, Doug didn't exactly lead us down the path of Alan's women exploits. The funny thing is, is that the person that did is none other than Father Dale Gruba. Father Dale is a well-known Catholic priest in the Wisconsin area. He's actually been around the racing scene his whole life, and he even went and did the double with Kurt Busch a few years ago when he raced the Indianapolis 500 and then the Coca-Cola 600. He actually took Father Dale on the plane with him, had him as a good luck charm, and uh, we were really excited to get to meet him just because he's written a book about Alan. He was Alan's priest. He's got more dirt on him than anybody else we really spoke to, and he was willing to share it with us. So we ended up eating at 680 North at a country club in Green Lake, Wisconsin, and it was a really beautiful area, a lot of snow on the ground, we had a pretty quiet lunch, the whole restaurant to ourselves, and uh, we got to listen to some pretty neat stories that nobody else had, and take a listen to Father Dale Gruba. So at what point does Alan Kowicki come across your radar? Uh, Alan came across in those early days, see, and again, like I was concentrating and doing invocations stuff in central Wisconsin, uh -huh. so that was, a, there was a regular circuit that the guys raced five nights a week. Sure. Yeah. And uh, Alan was racing in Milwaukee area, so he was racing Slinger, Kakana, mm -hmm. places like that. Where I got to know him was when we began to do specials like the Slinger Nationals right. and, and uh, the Red, White, and Blue Series up at Kakana. Okay. And, and he would be there, and the drivers from central Wisconsin would be there, too. And he, uh, one of the things we want to talk to you specifically about is he was quite a religious man. He was. Yeah. Um, you know, for instance... <clears throat> You know, in that week before, or two weeks before the championship mm -hmm. race, you know, he his his parish in in the south was uh, Thomas Aquinas Parish. Okay. And uh, you know, he went to mass there uh, whenever he was in the Charlotte area. Uh, and like the two weeks before, you know, he went to daily mass. You know, just as part of, of as part of his spiritual preparation, uh, he went to his week the weekend masses. Um, all of the time uh, and uh, you know and he was a very he was also like in his briefcase which he carried yeah uh, he had a book that was had Bible verses for each day sure you know if you're from the Midwest and and if you're from the north you tend to make your religion more of a private practice yeah. than yeah. maybe down in the sure. south and sure. in the southeast sure. so i don't think a lot of people realized you know the depth of his his religion yeah, he raced with a uh, saint christopher devotional yeah. you know it medal. was what well, was interesting was about that, that prior to knowing you Pardon. St. Christopher racing with the St. Yeah. He, he was doing that well before he knew you. He correct? used it yeah. well before he knew yeah. he, And he had it welded under the seat of his car. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, we, we were talking with John Janik, and he said that, you know, 
when they were at a track that might not have a service provided at the mm-hmm. circuit at the time that he would go to mass on Sunday morning if he could get it, you know, if he could yeah. find a church close by and stuff like yeah. that. You know, it was something he really was, was mm-hmm. you know, important to him. And there was a story about how <clears throat> one time Don Hawk, who was, you know, his, one of his business administrators, um, he had missed mass. And then that night they went out searching until they found a priest and, and uh, Hawk, who was privy to the conversation, said that he thought what they were talking about was, you know, the fact that he had missed mass and, and wanted to make up for it by, by tracing down a priest and huh. saying hello. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Kind of, kind of taking a step back. I, somebody like myself who has very little religious background, um, I still don't know what Saint Christopher, who Saint Christopher is. Like, what's Saint the Christopher was is the patron saint of travelers, and the reason that that uh, he the story is that Saint Christopher was a person who, who helped people across this river, right. and and the waters were fairly high, so it was a dangerous passage, and. Um, one day this, there's this child that's there and St. Christopher put it, the child on his shoulders and carries him across the river. And as the story goes, it turned out to be uh, a, uh, Christ appearing as a child, you know, and was being carried across the river. Uh, and, and Christopher proved himself as a saint by, by doing by that doing for him. Yeah. It's pretty self-explanatory as to why you would carry that with you, but did, did Alan ever discuss the significance to him, or is it just something that's kind of implied based on it's that just story? Uh, I think it's just a Catholic practice, because mm-hmm. like I know I have a St. Christopher medal in my car, and okay. it, it's just something that you'll find a lot of Catholics do. They carry that. They've got that medal. Is it welded to the bottom of your seat? No. no okay. <laughs> it's up on the visor. So he would call you every morning at... 730. He would call you at 7.30 on yeah. some mornings. Um, was it spiritual guidance? Was it looking for pickup lines? What, what, uh, like what, what were the conversations like between well, you guys? Conversations were spiritual at times, and yeah. other times they were just the conversations of a friend sure. and, okay. and where he was going and what he was experiencing in life. And, yeah. uh, you know, and there, was, you know, the, there was a lot that was go, always going on in his life. Yeah. And... Uh, so there were there were just a lot of things to talk about, but the kind of the interesting thing was he always was very very strict about separating his racing life from his you know his other life you yeah. know his his uh, what we would call I guess friendships and yeah. so forth yeah, and right. things like that. And he was he was funny as all get out when he was away from the track. Yeah. Just had a sense of humor that most people didn't realize or or never knew. You know. Um, like what was his go-to? Did he have a prank or a, or a specific joke he liked to always hit? There was one time when they were racing at Capitol Speedway, and he got a little bit, uh, had a little bit too much to drink, and he was running around with a Superman cape, you know, <laughs> around the pit Good. area. Good, you know, <laughs> as he's becoming as, more of our guy, as right. Superman. Right. Uh, but uh, see, that was a side that a lot of people never saw, you know, yeah. or, or never, never really knew existed. But. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, another thing uh, that, I, that I have always found f- just fun was Alan and his girlfriends, you know, because, I, yeah. you know, we would, like, Humpy Wheeler and I especially were always on him about his girlfriends and where they went. And he had this one girlfriend in the Milwaukee area, and, and uh, 
I think what happened was, you know, he knew that he, and again, it was that focus that he couldn't be married and stay as focused as he wanted. Right, so sure. he, eventually he told her. I use that her, as my excuse too. Yeah. <laughs> too focused. Yeah. Too yeah. focused. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he told her that, you know, that he just, he couldn't get involved in marriage and yeah. stuff at that time. And, 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 but I think at the same time, that was the gal that he always, uh, that he always would compare other girls to. This is this the one that married the Sprecher Rupier girl guy? I that I, I don't oh, think that might so. Be. Yeah, that could be. I know that the gal married, and so maybe it was that, must that be a gal. Yeah. And yeah. It, so then there was no going back. Sure. Yeah. 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 But uh, he had it. So, but anyway, anyway, he had this list of qualifications for for a wife. Uh, Please tell me that it was like a physical written list. down, like written like down physically <laughs> in his billfold. <laughs> It is billfold. Yeah, so it's on him at all times. So he's like carrying a briefcase. Like he's, he's like, like on his first date. Like okay, pulls out a pen. Yeah. blonde. Check. Yes, uh, mm. job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all those things. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, Humpy and I would always be watching to see what girl he was dating. So um, one day he's dating this gal, beautiful gal. Yeah, and he always dated beautiful gals, and I, it, she was gone. And I said, Alan, I said, what happened to that gal? And he said, oh, he said, she smoked five years ago, and maybe she'd start smoking again, so I couldn't what? have her. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. So He's that, that guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then. Well, she sneezed once. Then um, another gal came <laughs> along. Farted once. <laughs> <laughs> they don't fart. I know this. That's yeah. not, yeah. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> another gal came along, and uh, Humpy said, you know, because he'd see her at, at Thomas Aquinas Church. Yeah. And he said, uh, w w what happened to that gal? She came to church. She genuflected. She read all the prayers in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she knew exactly what was going on Catholic-wise, right. practice-wise. Oh, he said, you know, she had a different taste for music than I did. So she was gone. <laughs> oh, she well, likes the Beatles and I'm out. Yeah, yeah. I'm a but, Stones fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the bottom line was, and I always laughed about this, he had another gal and, and – uh, I said to her, I said to him, I said, you know, where'd that gal go? Oh, he said, you know, I was thinking about that and about her, and I think she had a propensity for wide hips, and I was not going to marry anybody that had <laughs> wide hips mother. down the road. <laughs> and, oh, my God. <laughs> and so his uncle, his uncle later on when I was telling him this story said, that stupid Alan, doesn't he realize that when women have babies, they get wide hips? But... <laughs> But then he would have all <laughs> okay. He would have all these criteria. Different like, times. <laughs> like he associated bows with southern women, and he didn't want to go out with southern women. So this gal comes. He picks her up as a date. She's got bows, you know, a sundress. He sends her right back in the house and says, "You change that because I'm not taking you out with those bows on." Wow. <laughs> Okay. Huh. So it's all right. Okay. Alan always had like a girl in every port. <laughs> so, so I like. So that, anyway, <laughs> I like that it, it 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 took the Catholic priest to get there with us. So, <laughs> so let me give you the goods. Yeah, here you go, guys. All so right. So at any rate, there's this one time they're at the racetrack, and yeah. there's three girls approaching him from different directions. Oh boy. And they so, all know him? And they all know him. Okay. So Alan sends a crewman out. You delay that person <laughs> over there. Wow. And then you go and delay that person over there. And then I'll talk to the first person. And then we'll just put him on rotation basis. Oh. <laughs> He's got a roster. <laughs>
<laughs> good man. Yeah, good. I'm I'm all in on some yeah. uh, Alan Kowicki now. Yeah, I liked him before, I liked but before, now yeah. now I love him. They he say, and Willie T could have hung out. Yeah, they say right. never meet your heroes. Right. <laughs> Later in his career, it seemed as though there was one young lady that that he was he was kind of closing in on, and, mm-hmm. and his his best friend Doug that we sat down with uh, made it sound like they probably would have been married. And that's probably true. <clears throat> you know that. Um, I always found it interesting that, you know, Bobby Allison was at his funeral and if, you know, when I would mention something about, you know, one of his his girlfriends or his acquaintances, Bobby Allison would look around mm-hmm. and there would be five gals that would all, you know, look like, yeah, that's me, you know, and, uh, and uh, okay. but I think probably it, it would have boiled down, you know, and he would have. With, with your conversations, was family an actual conversation point? You know, no. Yeah. I it was just I think a given that that okay. was what he, you know, like everything else in Alan's life, you know, that was one of the things that that he would have moved on to. Sure. All right. So, you heard a lot of stories from Father Dale Gruba about Alan and uh, the many ladies that would come to the paddock, but there's one guy that could verify that, which would be Alan's crew chief, Paul Andrews. Now, if you listen to the previous episode, you've heard plenty of stories from Paul already about how they won their NASCAR championship. But here's a quick story from Paul about whether or not those girl stories were actually true. We'd heard some rumors from some anonymous Catholic priests that uh, (laughs) said there might have been a few incidents where different girls would come into the garage from opposing sides and he'd be like, oh, crap. Yeah. Is that real? That was was real, yeah. He he, uh, he had this (laughs) – she called herself the one and only. Oh, oh, wow. Literally (laughs) sent him all kinds of different things, you know, drawings and uh, made up. There's a window – picture of a car not a picture but a, a knitting of I'm probably oh. not exactly some type of knitting of a car on the oh, frame. Okay. Not yeah. those kind and, of drawings. Sign it the yeah. one and only, you know, and, okay. and, and you know. Wow. Yeah, she was uh, and she was off and on, you know, she wasn't like she's just a complete stalker. She sure. was off and on. Okay. So okay. It's like, sometimes yeah. a stalker. Yeah. Sometimes not. Yes, well, yeah. yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh he, he had a lot of uh a lot of different women for sure and, and you know he'd have a girlfriend. This is one thing we give him give him a hard time about all the time. Is say we had this one girlfriend. And she's beautiful. Yeah. You know, I mean every one of them was drunk. I was saying, he seemed to do pretty well. Yeah. 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 And uh, she was beautiful. And he dated her for a month or whatever. You know, and he, you know, the next thing you know, he's she's gone. You know. Yeah. Somebody else comes in, or the one that only comes back, or something like that. So, <laughs> so, so what happened to Jane over here? You know, so I don't know. I met her mother. Oh. I, I just, you know, she's going to have a tendency to have a big butt later on in life. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> Confirmed. We didn't say this on the air. We had this conversation in the car. I think it's hilarious that our new friend, a Catholic priest, Father Dale Grubba, <laughs> was the first one to really let us in on the, oh, yeah, there'd be girls coming from every direction. Oh, yeah. Like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> what? Father, the priest knows this? Yeah. yeah. You're, the, you're the first <laughs> one to tell us? We get anonymously heard that uh, <laughs> there was a literal – Criterion list a li- that he carried around a, a handwritten list. Did you ever see such a thing? I, I've seen it, but I never got to read it. Yeah. yeah. So, but you can confirm that was real. Like yeah, he would, real. he would have had a checklist of yeah. what he was looking for yeah. in a lady. Wow, that is that <laughs> wow. is an engineer right yeah, there. Yeah, he's, he, he's funny now. Yeah. Did you ever have to lie to anybody? Like, yeah, he's in a meeting. Sorry. Oh he's, yeah. He's okay. A, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to, I had, if there was one already there somewhere, I might have to head another one off. And <laughs> I think <laughs> I think like the one of the hidden stories of Alan Kowicki is like the guy was a ladies' man. Yeah, yeah, he literally. did he did pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he had a good time. It, 
Did you did you hear the story? That, have you talked to Kyle Petty? No. no. Kyle Petty would be hilarious. Kyle Petty's got a story about uh, two different shoes at the party. Uh, <laughs> proceed. <laughs> Continue. So Kyle was picking him up uh, at his house probably in Charlotte. This is fairly later on, you know, in, at his house in Charlotte. And uh, at the time, this is when you hear Alan's side of it, he was trying on – he had a, two different pairs of shoes on. Okay. And he was um, looking in the mirror which ones he wanted to wear. Then Kyle came and beating on the door. Come on, Alan, let's go relate, you know, that type of thing. And, right. and, and of course, he probably got sidetracked somewhere along the line. Sure. That's the way he went to the party. Okay. <laughs> nice. Just, let's go. Let's go. He is. didn't. He You're didn't right. realize it until he got to the party, and right. it was too late. Then. <laughs> and now we're going to go back to Tom Roberts, who you heard from in episode two. Again, longtime PR guy in NASCAR and a close friend of Alan's. And here's a couple more stories from Tom kind of Joni offline so to speak was ever like oh this kid doesn't know what he's in for no yeah there wasn't and uh, again he had <clears throat> i'll give you a good for instance <laughs> he had so many people rooting for him yeah yeah uh bobby allison all of the bobby knew him like i said father grubo was how's this i've got uh i think i've got copies in, in the box we did like a newsletter Alan Quickie Race Club or something like that. Well, and it's the first year that we did that. Who do you think the president of the Alan Quickie Fan Club was? Not a clue. No. Carrie Allison. Huh. What? Carrie Allison, who was Bobby's younger daughter. Huh. How old now, was she? Think about this. At that time, but Davey becomes a declared rookie candidate driving for Earl Sattler. This would have been the year before he hooked up with, with, with uh, Yates. Yates, and right. Yeah. And with, yet, his, with his sister and his sister is the president running the Alan Kowicki race club. Well, you, <laughs> you, you hit on something a little bit. Um, he seemed to be, uh, at least according to like Doug and Father Gruba of all people, he seemed to be very popular with, with the ladies. Was this a did you have many interactions? We've heard a few stories about having to shove off a few different women coming into the paddock at, at the, the exact, exact same, same time. time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to speak about these things. No, he did. Yeah. He did. He did, but, you know, I still, I'm still convinced that, and I told Peggy Gurgle that the night of his wake that I really thought that he was still looking for, he was searching for her. Yeah. Did Peggy go on to marry someone in the root beer business? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay. Was that the one he proposed to that Dick turned him down? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yep. Doug mentioned her too. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm thinking, you're thinking of, she lives in South Florida now. Oh, he had. I was going to say, this, <laughs> this yeah, is hey, proving the point. Wound <laughs> up, she had braces, and what? she was with him. And she became a really good friend of, of my wife's. Okay. And she was with him the uh, when he won his first race in Phoenix. This is the South Florida girl. And there was another. It was Angela. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of making her point. Okay, so. Uh, okay. so and then, uh, then the, the Julie Horansky was yep, right. was the last, and she, yeah. oh my God, she's still beautiful today. She came to our banquet. Uh -huh. cool. We we keep in touch. There was one that uh, Angela was. <laughs> Angela was 
supposedly was the best with massages. Oh, and my boy. It had to be the, the some kind of special mm-hmm. massage lotion that, that, that <laughs> it was like a, a uh-huh. slippery. Yeah, okay. okay. And there's so many people that, that say that eventually he did want to settle down and, you know, have well, kids. Well, so, okay, but that, that's kind of like. I'm not going to name any Andy Lally? names. Andy Lally. Uh, <laughs> some guys just sort of have their fun. But other guys meet women and after a day are in love. It's, this, is, this is the girl that's going to last. And then three days later, maybe not so much. Um, not saying that Andy Lally's like that. <laughs> but uh, but there are, you meet guys who they're not necessarily, they don't intend to kind of move around. It's just that. They fall in and out of love very quickly, and uh, it, it sounds to me like you're kind of describing that character more than a guy who's well, like out I, on, a, on a hunt. You know, I think right. that that when he was in Milwaukee before he left, yeah, there, he and Peggy were together for God, I want to say maybe nine months to a year, which sounds like record tied for him. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. But then after they split, especially when he moved south, yeah got to remember, too, that as, as focused as he was on succeeding with his racing, how much time did he have? Oh, no, I understand right. this. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, this yeah. is always the thing. Yeah. This is actually if the, the one of the takeaways from this trip for us has been, like, I keep hearing about a guy that worked 24 hours a day. Right. And, you know. But he always, when he built his house. Yeah. Oh, I, he kept carrying me over there in the, the walk-in closet that he had. He was a shoe fanatic. Okay. Like, what was her name? Marcos? The, the, oh, Imelda Marcos. No, tell him to have it. Right. <laughs> Immaculate dresser. Just a very classy, classy person. All right, so that was Tom Roberts confirming a few more stories that uh, that makes the legacy true. Uh, but uh, the next thing is going to be from Jeff Brown. Now, Jeff Brown was in our first episode about Alan uh, back in the, the old ASA days. Uh, if you're familiar with our podcast, you also know Jeff from previous episodes. But the single most near and dear to our heart story came in this next little piece because Jeff tells a story about him and Alan that when you listen to it, you'll know exactly why Ryan and I took so well to this. So we were running ASA. The goal is NASCAR. Mm-hmm. And we had an engine builder, Ron Neal, who owned prototype engines. Okay, yeah. And he built our ASA motors. And Ron Neal said, hey, I'll give you, he had started doing pretty good in NASCAR. Was it Winston Cup at the time? It might have been. Yeah. It, w- it would have been Winston Cup right up until It, it like wasn't Grand National. Because it was Grand National at first. Right. Oh, okay. It was either Grand National or Winston Cup. I'm not sure okay. if Winston had come in by then. Somebody will figure that out. <laughs> <coughs> anyway, he had started building those motors for the top series. And Ron Neal said, hey, I'll give you guys a motor if you can put a car together and go run the World 600 at Charlotte. Okay. <coughs> and we're like, wow. Yeah, big yeah that's, that's a big, big race. Time. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so now we got to find a car. Okay. So I don't know how Alan did it, but in typical Alan way, he called everybody that ever owned a car, <laughs> <laughs> and he found um, Joe Rutman. Yeah. Oh, cool, okay. And Joe Rutman had, was driving the Levi Garrett car at the time, but had his own cup car for some reason, maybe he brought it from California, but he owned it and right. it was in his garage and he wasn't doing anything because he was a big time paid 
Levi Garrett driver. It was Buddy Parrott running his team right. and stuff, and it was a big thing. So he didn't need his car. And he had a friend, Mark Reno, from California, who kind of took care of, or knew Joe. I can't remember exactly, but anyway, the car was sitting in Joe's shop, and, we're, and Alan made a deal. Can we get the car? We got a motor. Yes, yes. And it was one of these shoestring deals that yeah, any right. little thing could have crumbled the whole thing. Right. And my dad's transact, or my dad kicked in a little sure. cash to do it because sure. I thought that would be cool. So we, Alan and I, got in his Monte Carlo, so Peter Monte Carlo, and we drove to Charlotte with nothing. Right. And I remember us driving down there talking about all the things. That's when the announcement came over the radio that um, Junior Johnson had just signed a deal for with Budweiser. Right. For a million dollars, and yeah. we're like a million dollars. A million dollars. What's he going to do with all that yeah. money? We're like, <laughs> <laughs> and and we had. I've been listening to you guys. What was the thing about going to the um, rock pile or something? What the was mill? The, the mill. mill. The mill. The mill. <laughs> okay. He finally made it in. in on it. Yeah. Finally made it in. <laughs> so the mill. I, 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 I was listening to your podcast about the mill, and, and then this thing came up, and I thought, well, we had Alan and I had one of those. It wasn't exactly the mill, but there was a movie about Wendell Scott. Okay. Yep. Uh, a, was that uh, the one with Richard Pryor? I think he so. might have been. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah the, okay. You know the uh, black NASCAR yeah, driver. Yeah. And I remember when in that movie there's a scene where he gets uh, a ride in the top series and all of his all of his friends are sitting on the porch and Wendell walks up and they're going and they all sit together like Wendell's going Grand National <laughs> and cause that, and so all the way down to Charlotte when with Alan and I whenever anything would happen we'd look at each you know we'd just be driving around there'd be like five minutes and nothing and I'd look over at Alan and go Alan's going Grand National. <laughs> hold on. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. Hold on. So you're saying you and Kowicki went on a road trip, and all you did was reference weird racing movies? Yep, pretty much. High five. <laughs> okay. We're pretty much. All right. We're, we're pretty same. much the Kowicki, Jeff Brown <laughs> yeah, of, uh, of uh, now. Right. Yeah, a Pro podcast. Am sports car podcast. Right, so, yeah, uh, right, yeah. so that's that was our. Awesome. You that's know, literally all we do. Yeah. Okay. Let's quote movies on the road. Okay. <laughs> that's where the mill comes from. That's where the mill so comes from. I thought from the from the podcast I listened to. So the. <laughs> so the Alan's going Grand National. Alan's going Grand Alan's National. Going Grand now National. we have to watch That's going to be the next t-shirt. Alan's going Grand National. Alan's going Grand National. So the movie was called Grease Lightning. Yeah. Oh, it was, was Grease Lightning? Who did it star? It was Richard Pryor yeah, back Richard in Pryor. 1977. Yeah. It yeah. was about Wendell Scott, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that's, yeah. Uh, see if that there's not so a, a scene in there where it's like Wendell's going Grand National, and that came up all the time. We'd be, you know, a month later, we'd be under the car, we'd be working on this car, and all of a sudden, somebody just randomly pops in your head, Dale, because we were working on a car. Alan's going Grand National. Yeah. Then all the crew guys got into it. <laughs> right. You know, right. we'd be putting gas in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the radio, all right, full of gas. Yep. Alan's going Grand National. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty much what yeah, we, that's this what is the exactly what happens here. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All yeah. right. All right. We're not all that right. different. Yeah. <laughs> other than all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Other than the cup championship and the millions of dollars. Right. But, uh, but uh, So we built the car. Yeah. We went out to Charlotte. Went around for the first time. And this thing, we were really slow. And it, I remember Alan coming down pit lane, coming into the garage. I lower the window net because I'm the crew chief or whatever. Yeah. And I looked at him, and his eyes were like as big as saucers. And he goes, right. 
if this is what driving a Winston Cup car is like, said, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> so this thing is horrible. Right. And, it, and if this is what it's supposed to feel like, because he didn't know. Yeah. He thought maybe that's what it is. Right. He thought, These guys are like stupid, alien, unbelievable talents because there's no way right. I, I can go three seconds faster sure. around Charlotte. Because impossible. So like, oh, wow, it can't be. You know, we were doubting ourselves yeah. a little bit, and Alan's doubting himself a little bit. So we try a few more things, and we don't really make it too much better. So Joe Rutman, it was his car, and he got done with his his top yeah, ride. Big, big ride yeah. And we said, Joe, take this thing for a few laps. He's like, oh, yeah, okay. So he kind of snuck around, and he went around for a couple laps where his sponsors didn't know or whatever. Uh, more like a lap, came right. back in the thing. He goes, don't let anybody drive this car. <laughs> it's going to kill somebody. <laughs> so we were like, whew, okay, yeah, that's yeah, good. Right, right. Went back, and I can't remember. We found that we had the rear end housing in wrong, and okay. it was like pointed toward the wall and trying to spin out all the time <laughs> or something. So we fixed that, and we got it pretty decent. Yeah. And <clears throat> we're actually good enough to qualify. And then, unfortunately, we never ran the car because we had a some of the sponsors on the car had – um, needed a liability um, insurance policy. Uh, yeah. that, and they had told us that. They had told Rutman that, basically, right. that we, you have to have this liability because it's his car, and if the car goes into, goes the, into stands, the stands, then the yeah. guys yeah, get right. to. Yeah. This is, people may not know that that's actually not that uncommon right. no. um, to have a liability insurance against your sponsor. Right, yeah. because you hurt somebody yeah, and the sponsor, yeah. the name's they, they get on sued, it. Yeah. So you're trying to indemnify them of yeah. anything yeah. going on. Exactly. Yeah. And it's relatively easy to get right right even in this was probably 83 or 4 or something sure, like right. it's still easy to get but you can't do it the day before you qualify yeah sure. right sure and joe we'll just email him. basically dropped the ball right yeah, he right. was supposed to get it that was part of the deal uh, the sponsors came along and said okay let's you know i want to see it yeah, right, and, and, and i said joe where's that policy and joe went oh yeah i never did that and the sponsors went Stop. Yeah. Right. Went back in the hall and we never did it. Nice. So it was too bad. Yeah. But right. anyway, that was a fun, fun experience. Now we're going to hear from Stan Johnson. Stan's a famed industrial designer and marketer in Wisconsin, paved his own path at a young age, real hands-on guy, building hot rods, all sorts of cool things, designed a lot of neat parts for different big companies. We were able to see a lot of that when we were at his shop. Now he took Alan on as a pro bono client when he needed some help landing sponsorships, was able to help with marketing decks, as well as livery designs on the famous Xerox car that Alan won his first NASCAR race in, and ultimately the Hooters car, which Alan was able to take to the NASCAR championship. We ate with Stan at the Northstar restaurant in Brookfield, which he's a regular at, and uh, while we were enjoying a really nice meal, it uh, started snowing outside more than Sean and I have ever seen before, which made for a really sketchy ride later to the hotel, but all in the hopes of bringing you guys an awesome free podcast about Alan Kowicki. Let's hear what Stan has to say about Alan. When we get to the Alan Kowicki stage of your life, you're helping him with, with projects. Did you see the creativity in him and the hands-on approach that you obviously had to take as a 26-year-old when you started working around him and, and seeing what he was doing? Uh, what I saw in Alan was a guy that was smart. Mm -hmm. uh, he wanted to bring intelligence and presentation, personal presentation, to NASCAR. Yeah. And not to insult everybody, but NASCAR was all good old Southern boys at that time. Uh -huh. I mean, he didn't fit in at all, as, right. as we all know. Right. And he didn't change. He went down as himself with a briefcase, a comb, 
good haircut, no facial hair, uh, well-groomed guy, soft-spoken, and not, not a salesman at all, you know, like some of us that are self-hucksters. <laughs> <laughs> I like that he looked right at you, Like Sean. we're staring at me. <laughs> complete shysters. <laughs> complete, absolute buffoons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, but that's what I saw in him, because that's the way I would have done it. Right. Okay? Sure. But I, I couldn't uh, for a whole bunch of reasons. Right. And uh, so that would be an alter ego, right? Sure. By definition. So and I'm, he's the same age as your kids. Yeah. So I'm comfortable yeah. with that. Yeah. If you got to have an alter ego, he he would be who I would pick. Because he represented and he's what I thought it. the way. The, and I thought he represented the next generation hmm. at that time. Because okay. those good old boys were getting older. Yeah. And they're really uh, kind of inbred in character and dress and appearance and so on. And as as you fellows know, he stood out. Holy. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Carried a comb in his car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I understand. Right. Would be wearing a suit, yeah, like a three-piece suit through the yeah, garage. Yeah, we'll, and we'll get we'll get into some of those, some of those things. But but obviously you've, you're building your own business. You're 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 understanding how how large corporations want to see some of their presentation materials, um, just because that's what you're doing for a living. But you're also a racer. Uh, I remember going up and seeing him a lot at at Slinger Speedway, where he was his career really not only started but kind of took off because he kept winning the cha- all the races and. Uh, Upsetting a lot of people. He didn't fit in on the uh, short track crowd either. We <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just didn't. Yeah. We all know. And I mean, it doesn't matter with that, but he would stop at my office, which is sort of a, right near where we are here, my office at that time, and uh, uh, just hang out a little bit on the way to Slinger with a car and a trailer, open yeah. trailer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Remember those? No semi. Yeah. 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 And uh, I, I don't remember. I know he had a green. Plymouth station wagon. I don't yes. remember if he was toying with that or not, but we go out for lunch or something, and uh, he would slide that Plymouth station wagon around the little loopy driveway up to my office, and uh, just <laughs> just having fun. Yeah. Kind of. At what point did you start helping him? I guess. I said, well, I have. I mean, I can draw cars and so on because we're designers, and figure out some of the marketing for you. I said, I'll do that for you, just you know, for free, and we'll work up uh, whatever you need. And he heard about uh, Xerox in the East Coast uh, at that time, the antifreeze people that were yeah. interested in getting into racing. So by this point, he's already in Charlotte. He's already trying to make it work. Yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, I did a presentation and illustration and so on for him. And he went to Xerox in the East Coast and got the sponsorship. Yeah. And that was... That was the big break. Yeah, but there was no luck involved. Everything was planned. Everything. There were years of uh, success at a small level, building up uh, to that point where the sponsor would look at him and say, "This guy's pretty serious. He looks like he belongs in our company, not sitting on the sidewalk in front of our company, and uh, he looks like a safe bet." Every Every sponsor that you ever worked for is looking for a safe, safe bet, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, we went to the next winner, but we want to make sure he's the next winner. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Well, <laughs> if, you're a, if you're a marketing manager, your job is to not get fired. Yeah, so right, you're right. not going to put your, your dollars on something because you believe in it. You're just like, yeah, obviously <laughs> it was a good choice. So, and, But as, as we've been discussing, 
he was a good choice. He, yeah. he, he checked all the boxes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. He had the you know success, the personality, uh, nothing goofy about him at all. That that would spoil the deal. Yeah. To the and make and, and in turn make the marketing manager. He didn't have any bad tweets or anything. <laughs> no, he didn't smoke yeah. or anything. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, <coughs> It was a gift for the marketing manager. Sure. Oh, uh, he couldn't go wrong with them. Sure. And when uh, uh, Xerox decided to get out of racing as part of their marketing, uh, he was pretty distraught and then found that Hooters Restaurants, which was doing very well at the time, and their uh, salad dressing business and so on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was interested in possibly getting into racing. So he called me on a uh, Thursday afternoon to stand. I, I've got an appointment with the CEO, uh, Brooks, of Hooters on Saturday. This is Thursday afternoon. Right. So I need a presentation. I said, where is it? In Atlanta. <laughs> well, I'm sitting here in Milwaukee, yeah. and, you know, it's time to go home for dinner. Yeah, you just email it to him. Yeah. yeah, and he's in Charlotte, right, at the time? Yeah. 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 So it's not like he can sit there, really hold your hand through it. Yeah. He's just talking. He wouldn't see what I did until he opened it up and cause, uh, at Hooters. Cause right. I had to uh, do the illustration that night so I could send it out overnight mail. Yeah. Mail. <laughs> you know, I've heard of such a thing. Yeah, with yeah little yeah. stagecoach and stuff. <laughs> right. no, no E. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just mail. Just mail. Okay. And... Uh, I had to email it to Hooters, to the CEO, because yeah. Alan was moving Because he had no way to he get was there. Driving. Yeah, it's Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was driving. So, so, so to set the stage, the, the internet is not an option at this point. There is no email. But not only is there not email, like there's also no e uh, no internet for your own research. So yeah. like, there's no Hooters in Wisconsin at the time, I don't think. Well, there wasn't one nearby, right? Yeah. At that time, I, I don't remember where Actually, I got yeah, the logo. Right. I don't think there was but, one but, So my point no. is like, a guy in your no. position, you have to... Learn about the brand as best you can. Normally, mm -hmm. like just everything from the color palette to the design scheme and how they like mm -hmm. to use their logos to just what weird sensitivities do they have that I don't know about and what things should I avoid. Usually, you can spend a couple hours, you know, diving into the internet and figuring that stuff out. You don't have that option. It's Thursday. You've mm -hmm. got to get a rendering done to make uh, Express Mail cut off the next day mm -hmm. so that it gets there. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I, I honestly have no clue. How do you? In, in, in 1992, how did somebody, when they, the drop everything, I need to get a sponsor deck out in my profession is not that uncommon. Right. But it's also not that hard for me to reproduce. Yeah. Um, well, actually, don't say that. I mean, it's really hard, James Afranis. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, but, uh, uh, but, uh, but in your case, like, it sounds legitimately hard because I don't even, I think about it today, I don't even know how I would have investigated Hooters at four o'clock in the afternoon on mm -hmm. Thursday. Mm hmm. You know, I, I don't remember how I did it, because I knew it was orange. Right. And some Just by paying attention? And somehow I saw the lettering somewhere, and since I had no time, I made up the, the illustration. Right. And it was 11 by 17. It's big. I don't do little little illustrations for something. I want it to be the only thing on his Get desk. Get right, yeah. And sent it down to the corporate headquarters, and Alan must have... I don't know if he opened it up in front of the CEO or first, but that was the first he saw of it. Right. You know, there was no because, changes. Yeah. There was no dialogue. No back and forth. Uh, he was driving, and uh, 
In order to make it to and the he office did. on time, yeah, yeah, you can't send it to him on the no, road. No, and he right. didn't. You know, he didn't have a cell phone. The car phones were the size of a shoebox at, right. at the time. <laughs> and uh, he must have just opened it up. And right there said, in front of him, like, Whoa. oh my gosh, thank <laughs> heavens. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, what if he put the wrong car in there <laughs> just by yeah. accident? Right. Well, there's yeah. A, yeah, you think of how many things could go wrong. Mm-hmm. Bell Hooters wrong. I mean, it, yeah. everything could go wrong. because yeah. <laughs> there was no preview. There's no check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, they opened it up and they they bought into the program with a multi-year deal and th- that really the rest was history right, really right. uh but i was maybe almost as excited as he was that yeah he could have it. contributed yeah. to uh that ne- next phase of his career i don't right. know what the next step would have been if if he hadn't had that sponsorship yeah you never know yeah right so um alan Right or wrong has earned uh, has has a reputation of of being difficult for guys, mainly in the sense that he was extremely demanding. Um, so, you get a call on Thursday afternoon saying, "Yeah, no, I'm doing this sponsor pitch on Saturday," and uh, yeah, you have to come through for me, otherwise this whole thing is hosed. Um, was he a guy you could say no to? Like, no, I can't. I have real clients <laughs> that need stuff tomorrow, and and they're going to pay me. Um, no, I did it at night. Right. But my point is, like, was he a guy you could say no to, uh, or like, would he get upset? I mean, how would that work out if, if I, he said, I never I ran into that because mm-hmm. okay. he was, I, I guess my alter ego. What uh, I was in the seat with him, and I, I'd have done the same thing for me if I was mm-hmm. someone else. Yeah. You know. Okay. I mean, to be in the position that I was in to help him to that degree was, I thought, was terrific. I felt really good about it. I right. could really do something right, right. You know? well let me ask you this though because this is very projecting and I'm sorry to make it about me okay, um, here we no go. no I'm serious here. there are a few people in a similar position I, I have done this for and those deals haven't worked out and then you feel a little bit dejected like ah, I've spent all this time and like right. I want to help you but now they know they can call you a day and a half before right. and then they do it again right. and it doesn't work out and then they do it again and it doesn't work out and by the seventh call you're like I'm tired of dropping things for you because <coughs> these don't feel that like they're real right and so my question is did that happen a lot with alan like no. i got this guy on the line stand you need to drop everything and no help this out. not at all yeah. so he knew how to use his resources then. Yeah, yeah every time was a home run everything we we and did see, that's the difference is yeah. you're gonna go to bat for now, the guy that i didn't feel there was any risk at all right i thought right. we'll do it i know he can hold up his end right and i know i can hold up my end where's the risk right and we're well to my knowledge, we only had two really big presentations, you know, for major sponsors. It was Xerox and Hooters. Yeah, and hit them both up. Yeah. So that was Stan Johnson, who, again, was a big marketing and industry guy at the time. Uh, speaking of marketing and PR, we wanted to put one sort of final story out there from uh, Mr. Tom Roberts, who you've heard from a few times now, uh, Alan's longtime PR guy. Uh, a couple days before the big championship race in 1992, uh, that Thursday to be exact, there was a giant PR day because there were so many guys making a run for the championship. And uh, Alan was, of course, a participant in the big media happenings of that time. So uh, we're going to tell that story because it was sort of unfamiliar territory for Alan. But there was also one very specific story about one very specific song that came out of that. And we thought TR telling that would be, uh, would be pretty cool. So you guys get the championship as a PR guy, and Sean, this is probably better for you to ask the question, but that's not just a big deal for a driver in terms of like how that, what the post 
media becomes. But for you, that's got to be a pretty insane day with obviously having Rusty to deal with, but then also now you have to deal with NASCAR. And I think it would probably be – let's go back on that okay. and explain a little bit about uh, his time because he had to be at the shop and on top of all of the, mm -hmm. you know, the racing stuff. He would do appearances sure. yeah. for Hooters, and they understood that. Mm -hmm. But media stuff, yeah, we never did of – the availability advanced media tour yeah, sure but he resented to a certain degree of people trying to take the time away from sure him. yeah until we got we came into that weekend at atlanta and i'm explaining to alan that we need him to do this this uh media tour on thursday and he winds up calling Hotter than hell. What is this? Says, We're starting at 6 o'clock in the morning. That means I'm going to have to be in there on Wednesday night. I need to be in the shop on Thursday morning. He says something like, well, damn it, I may or may not be there. <laughs> yeah. So Which for PR people is Leaving, leaving yeah. uh, like me holding the bag, and I don't even think that I told Wayne. Right. And I had, I had Mark Brooks had us a limo <laughs> with the Hooters girls. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> so he was on top of it. It was lined up. So we we and all just, just for context, Mark Brooks being M Mark Brooks was Bob Brooks's son, and Bob Brooks being right, yeah, uh, the CEO of Hooters, of yeah. Hooters yeah. and yeah. Mark more or less my understudy is. He's following right. Alan and that team around. Right, so Mark, Mark Brooks is basically Hooters, Mr. Hooters' son, kind of yeah. following the team around, making this Mark program, which is kind of a common thing you yeah. see right. with right. big-name sponsors. But go on. So we're all staying. I say we're all. I'm staying at the Hilton, Atlanta Hilton downtown. Mm -hmm. It's like a minute before the the – limo and we're supposed to leave and he has to discuss i've already been downstairs mark's already got the limo there yeah, yeah, yeah. wayne's already there ready right. to go right. and he's already got ready to you know start it's about a minute before we're supposed to leave yeah elevator opens there he is all dressed all dapper ready to go ready to go true pro so we did visit all the tv stations we had a media deal at the hooters in jonesboro there you go. For lunch. <laughs> I got a call from Jenny Nickel, who worked with Terry Linger. Okay. Terry Linger being a TV producer. Right. Yeah. And they were in charge of doing uh, all of the video and everything for the banquet. So Jenny is calling and asking if Alan were to win this thing, if he were to pull it off, what would he want for a theme song? It's like, let me think about it. During all of our... our Moving around, Alan tells me, My Way. That's the song that he by wants. Yes, by was Sinatra. Yeah. Well, he just says, My Way. Oh. That's all he says, was <laughs> My Way. Yeah. So we wind up, I'm explaining what's going on as we're going up the elevator and everything, yeah. that the Mr. Brooks wants us to come. This is the, the meeting of all the franchisees. And he goes in, and he just wows the crowd. Yeah. I mean, they're all... They can't. They're all coming out to the race. They're all yep. going to be wearing yeah. their Hooters. Yep. They're yep. all going to yep. be pulling yep. for for Alan. <laughs> yeah, and all. Yeah, yeah. 
So I think that even Mr. Brooks was was very impressed. Yeah. So we're leaving to get back. Go back. Limo pulls back in. He gets out, sticks his head back in, and he says, "What we're talking about? It has to be Sinatra." It was just you—you you had to have almost mental telepathy or whatever to stay. Follow this train of logic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Now this is lunch that he's telling me that he wants my way, right. and we don't talk about that <laughs> at all. The rest, all of the everywhere we've gone, and then he sticks his head back in and he says, "And it has to be Sinatra." So that—that's the kind of communication that you right. had. And then, oh my God, what I had to go through for that. On on that particular day, is he shitty with you because he's got to do this media stuff? He really gets into the swing or of it. Or is he like, I'm just going to do my job? And he really gets into it. the swing. I got you. So he's not sitting it. there being like the disgruntled, like, uh, I had to be here for you to go do this. No, he, he understood. He understood so the part. I'm guessing the freak out is when he first looks at the schedule because we're. I, I think a lot of us are guilty of this way. When you've got 100 things going on, that initial shock of. No, I got to do this. This changes what I was going to do. Yeah, yeah, I had a plan, and yeah. now I don't yes. have it. And then yeah. you Because it, it was, you it it was yeah, so yeah. abstract, anything he'd ever done. Right. He <laughs> thought that he was going to come in, sashay, and, you know, sure. lunchtime yeah, yeah, on yeah. Thursday. Yeah. Right. And then back to the shop or whatever he was doing. Right. That was the story of how Alan then became synonymous with the song My Way by Frank Sinatra, as told by the guy who lived it. So we're going to close out episode three with uh, a little bit of a somber tone, but one that we thought was very, very important. So as we established uh, in the first episode, Alan went through a lot of family tragedy at a young age. He lost his mother at age eight. He lost his brother at age 13. His grandmother, who sort of became the matriarch of the family, he lost her the next year. Uh, and of course, this whole time, while raised by his father, his father was fairly distant doing his, his own stuff in USEC. One thing we found very unique about Alan and the way he handled all this was basically how he didn't handle it and how he virtually never discussed it. So we thought it would make sense to sort of put together a little compilation of a lot of his closest friends discussing that and, and how it may have helped shape uh, Alan. So we're not going to interrupt any of this. So you're first going to hear from TR, his PR guy, then Jeff Brown, his sort of original ASA friend uh, in the early 80s, Doug Mayer, his best friend all through life, and closing with Father Gruba. So that you get to when you learn the background, and I, I know that that definitely had an impact on me to know where he came from and know you know what happened with his mom and yeah. living with his grandmom, and then he t told me the story about his brother. Was this all in this first conversation? No, this would have been all came over like time. we would have. Conversations at night via yeah. phone. Okay. And I, I did. Uh, I got him really mad one time because I was doing his bio. And I can't even remember what year this was, but uh, it was after another conversation relative to his family upbringing that I thought that that was very important that people know that. And one of the reasons I felt it was so important is because perhaps if you understood what it then his environment was growing up, you might understand more why he was sure. the way he was. Exactly. Right. So I put something on the bio about his brother and what happened 
you know, he bled to death. He was a free bleeder. He bled to death. Right, he was a hemophiliac, correct? Yeah. yeah. And there was some kind of, I think I might even use hemophiliac, I used some kind of terminology. Right. And because I didn't run that by him, he got, oh. That's he, he probably was probably as mad as... Because this, uh, this went out in publish. And here oh, yeah, it, was, about all, it was out. So one of the unique characteristics of Alan, beyond the fact that he did this entire program his own way, um, was that he, he didn't come from a wealthy family. Um, in fact, his family life from a very young age was arguably difficult, more difficult than most. Um, so his, his father, Jerry, uh, was a famous, famous USAC engine builder. Um, but that also meant he was gone all the time and... and and I'll, I'll kind of leave it to you, but I don't, did, did he ever mention his dad much in terms of sort of the nature of their relationship? I think it was a, a respect, but never an aff affection. Sure. Strained relationship. Sure, yeah. You know, but, but, I mean, he loved his dad. Sure. And, and his dad. It was just that. It's just sort of a tough love Difficult kind of communication. Yeah. Communication. Right. So early in his life... Um, I mean, very early in his life, he was basically raised by his mother, and he's got an older brother as well. Um, and then, and then uh, she passes away. And he was eight years old when she passed right. away. Right. And then the grandma winds up becoming. So they, so his mother passes away. They all move in uh, with his grand, because basically Jerry realizes he cannot raise these two boys. Right. Um, not a guy that's around all the time, and sh they need sort of a, a female figure in their life. So they move in with his mother. Um, and now grandma is basically raising uh, Alan and his brother. So, so this lasts until about age 13. And then Alan's brother is a hemophiliac. And uh, I, I still don't quite know the details about what it happened. It was something that it was at a football game and falling off of the bleachers. Oh, wow. I, oh. I, I'm, I never, that's, a, that's the most I got mm -hmm. information there. Now, I would, I would imagine that Doug at one time, Doug Mayer, well, knew what the story was, you're, or you're hitting on something that is universally true. Everybody that was close to him, Doug, you, um, John, I think we even discussed a little bit, yeah. Father Gruba, yeah. um, Alan never spoke about this. Yeah. Not no one we've spoken to has any details. On, it sounds like Alan never mentioned his mother, yeah. never mentioned his brother, uh, grandmother. Um, so his grandmother passes away a year after that, if I'm correct. Yes. And it sounds like he never discussed this with any of you guys. No, um, I'd be like. He would just give you what what I wrote was what he told me, you know, yeah. but <clears throat> never any more than that. Right. It was just really the bare facts. That was pretty much it. Did that ever come up nope. with you? Never. Nope. You know, I knew he lost his mother when he was young, now that you say that. Yeah. I don't know that he ever said that to me or that I just know that from the stories just, and stuff. Yeah. It was never a thing. 100% of the people we've talked like to. Like nobody them. has like a... A background, like he kept that really close to the chest. Yep. Yeah, he, he he was one of those guys. My guess is, knowing Alan, that if he told people that or people knew that, that they would think somehow that he was using that as an excuse or, you know, I've had a hard life, feel sorry for me, and he would not want that from anybody. I mean, he just wanted to race and win at whatever cost. That ever come up? With you Not guys? a lot. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, it was a, they were a family. Sure. You know, there weren't, was never anything negative or any animosity, nothing like that. You know, right. they were, um, not at all. Um, but it doesn't sound like they were particularly close either. It, it, 
it varied. There are things that they were and things that they weren't. Like <clears throat> after, God, I, I think my, right after he moved to Charlotte, he had come up here uh, a couple times for the holidays. You know, mm-hmm. he would come up. And uh, I remember before I had my own place, I still lived at my dad's house. We would always do Thanksgiving about my dad's house. Okay. But Jerry was going to go and have Thanksgiving with, uh, with Thelma. You know, okay. with, yeah, with yeah. Alan's sure. mother-in-law. Sure. So Alan didn't have a place to go, so he came to our house for Thanksgiving. Right. You know, and I'm like, yeah. So we totally welcomed, open arms, come on over. Yeah. My dad, you know, we all knew him. You know, right. but that was a little unusual. Yeah. You know, instead of having it with his dad or his dad and his stepmom. Right. Yeah. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't he go to Thelma's? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he got along with her kids. Great. You know, we never talked about that part of it too much. Sure. Thelma loved him like anybody else, like a son. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, but she had her own kids too. And but it wasn't quite his mom. Yeah. And it wasn't quite the same. Yeah. You know, so. so he lost his mother at, I want to say, eight years old? Before I even knew him. So yeah. I, I didn't yeah. know much about him. I didn't, right. know, I didn't know much about him or his, or her or his brother you know, at right. that point in time. And I, it doesn't sound like you ever really talked about that kind of stuff. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Do you think that played any role in some of his intensity? Uh, I, I don't know. I think he was yeah. just always a driven guy. Yeah. Sure, sure. We don't really know much about his relationship with Thelma other than, you know, basic stuff. Yeah, and I don't either. Okay. It was just, you know, because I think there was only a basic relationship okay. there. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I, it would be hard for me to explain, but I, you know, I don't ever see there being more than just that kind of basic sure. relationship. Yeah. Okay. Another question I was wondering and go, about. Let me. Oh, for sure. On that, you know, on that point about Alan's dad, I don't. At first, I think, you know, Alan's dad was really reserved, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until later that he began to be a, a little bit more involved. Like, they were racing at uh, up at Oshkosh at Leo Speedway, and that was where he first began to like adjust his carburetors mm-hmm. and and give him a few clues as to so you know, Jerry would adjust his yeah his Jerry yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. and things like that. But at first, he was reserved. Yeah, one of my questions I had um, kind of b- between Jerry and uh, Alan, and you might not know the answer. Was there ever like a resentment from Alan about Jerry, l- like not making it easy on him and just going, hey, this is my kid, give him a ride or anything like that? Or did Alan understand and and get it? That you know, I, th- I think Alan understood it. But again, I think, you know, you have to, to look at, at uh, nationalities and how nationality, you know, how... If you're German yeah. or if you're Polish, right. you know, there's a relationship kind of that's, you know, father-son kind relationship. It's yeah. more of a business type of thing maybe yeah. than if you were in a different, you know, like if you were Irish or, yeah. or some other. And I, th- I think that, <clears throat> that um, you know, that uh, it was probably that type of thing. But, it, you know, certainly Alan, uh, especially at the end of his career, you know, brought his dad into the picture a right. lot more. Uh, you know, and, and even made sure of his welfare. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, at the at the end. You didn't get to meet Alan until a little bit later into his career. Um, he lost his mother at eight years old, I yeah. believe. Um, how much of a role do you think that played? Is that something you guys ever discussed? It ha- we didn't discuss it, but it, had a, it was a big role. But there were two things that really had an influence on him when he was young. One was the loss of his mother, but the other was the loss of his brother. Yeah, and that yeah. happened at thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that, and and he was raised 
primarily by his grandmother because right. Jerry obviously was, you know, he was racing a lot. You know, yeah. he was Norman Elson's engine builder, so uh, you know he was gone a lot, and mm -hmm. and I think that you know Alan, Alan always had this need to kind of prove, you know, and maybe that's where the, why he you know motivated him later in life too. He had this need to really uh, prove himself to people like his teachers in grade school for instance okay. would be a good example where you know he wanted to make sure that you know he got A's so that you know, he would be noticed and that he would be valued uh, in life and I, I think that but that and you would sort of argue that came from the fact that he couldn't get that at home he couldn't get it at home yeah, yeah. my dad here Jerry Corky and my mom Thelma without them I wouldn't be here either. Uh, that was a pretty touching moment. Uh, my dad's not a real emotional kind of guy. <laughs> and some people say I'm not. And that's about as emotional as I get. Uh, I want to thank them a lot. And I'm glad that he got to experience something like this in his lifetime. I'm sure it means a lot to him.